going on everybody welcome back into the dogs basketball podcast here we are on this friday the eve before we face the purple aces purple aces for a second time but we are also here to recap the game that was the other night another defeat by a top five valley team that is 0-6 on the season. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, what's going on, man? Yeah, it was another where we beat a bottom-feeding team, per se, and then we bounce right back and lose to a top team. Yeah, we, talk, uh, we talked again about uh, if we can start game, gaining momentum um, off a win like that, and uh, we've talked about um, how Saturday the mentality looked like it changed with the team a little bit. And, uh, yeah, just another – Pathetic start. That's re- probably the reason you lose this game. Um, still don't. We still don't know why or how we're starting this poorly. Uh, having three three points in the first nine and a half minutes, you're not going to win any ball games. No, that was the most pathetic start to a game I've ever seen. I said six. It's actually eight. Um, swept by three of them, and we still got Bradley and Drake to play. So, I believe we are now zero and sixteen in the last two years against the top four. We understand how bad last year's you know situation was with everything, but quickly, just because we're on the fabric of thinking about that, we are the only team since, since great 07 season, right, to not play on Sunday of all the teams that have been in the Valley. Yeah, that's uh, we're the only team. Uh, even Valpo made that crazy run a couple years ago. Um, Evansville had some really good teams, and they made it. Missouri State's made it once, but uh, um. For all those Illinois State fans that went Dan gone, they lead the way with six appearances since 07. Yeah, and what's the marker they haven't made it, though, or since? What, what's, there's like it's, a day marker on it. Yeah, there's a uh, Twitter page that sends them out daily. Because um, uh, I actually did ours the other day. It's like, I forget what ours was, but I was curious because I've seen that one again. Um, but let me scroll here and see if I can find it. What there's, it's uh, 23 years, 10 months, and 28 days. That's 8,735 days. Insanity. Um, and that just makes me think with Belmont Murray State, granted they're in a, they're in a lowly conference at the moment, uh, that it won't be as easy for them when they come here, but you can almost want to guarantee that they'll be in before us as well in the Valley, um, which is also sad. But, yeah, let's jump into – we're going to get to some other things. There's some small little recruiting stuff going on we just want to mention. Um, and, obviously, around the Valley, there's more probabilities, and we'll dive into what it seems like now. Again, it's it's game by game every time, every time we discuss or have a podcast, but of what we would um, want more likely uh, for our seeding in the tournament in the first round. So – We'll dive into all that, Noah, but let's jump into this game. It's really not much to talk about from the, the first point of the game, but uh, we we had like a lot of turnovers, but we only had, what did you say before, this three points in the first 10 minutes or so? It was, uh, we were held to three points till about the, we hit, Dalton Banks hit a free throw with 10.22 left in the first half. I was I was embarrassed sitting there thinking that we weren't going to score around even 10 to 15 points in the first half. And that, that would be a Division One record this year. I think that would have to be. Uh, I don't think anybody else in the 300-something teams in Division One that we'd be the only team that would have done that. Maybe not. There's some bad teams up there. But you're right. The 11-30, it was 3-15 to 15 at the 11-32 mark. And you're right. Dalton made a couple free throws to make it 15-5. to 5, And we slowly but surely got into it. Um, but who got us on the, it was a cash three pointer that had tied the game up, which was big, uh, assisted by Marcus. And then Noah Carter had some missed layups. We actually, and Noah, let's, we'll dive into it at points. They turned it over a lot in this game and, you know, been the sole reason why we got back into this one. Yeah. It's, uh, if it's any other team, um, playing them tonight, they'd probably uh, lose that game. And I say if we would have showed up in the first 10 minutes, uh, we would win this game. But, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of careless basketball by both teams. I believe we both ended up with um, 17 or 16 turnovers apiece. Um, that's just bad basketball, and it was really ugly at times for both teams. But, um, yeah, they let us they, – they could have easily – they could have blown the barn doors off that place in the first half. Um, they could have been up 20, 20 plus in the first half with ease. That's what it seemed like it was headed, and I would say that 
you know, Lance got a couple more steals in this one. He was pickpocketing AJ Green at times. But a lot of their a lot of their turnovers were self made. You know, we didn't really have anything to do about it. We did play a good defensive game, but they definitely they were throwing the ball away, throwing it out of bounds. A lot of those were of their own doing. Um, I wouldn't say we had a big effect on all of that, but yeah, I mean it, it was it was thirteen points. It was twenty to seven at the four forty five. So yeah, seven points, four forty five left. And Kyler had a layup, um, and then Kyler had a steal. He stole from AJ. We went down. And there was a this is when Lance missed two free throws and Bowen Bourne fouled him, uh, which can't happen. Obviously, when you're down that at the start of the game, you need points, you know, any kind of way, and he misses two free throws. I guess they'd say that's really not that surprising. But no, here, Steven made a three, which is good to see. Cut it to nine. Lance had a three. Cut it to six. Lance had a layup, so here we're only down by four. But this is a product. Here's an A.J. Green turnover. Here's a Nate Heist turnover. Here's a back-to-back Heisey turnovers. And then Lance had or and then what, A.J. made a couple free throws. He was perfect for the game. Uh, Marcus had a layup, and then A.J. had a big three to cut it to make it a seven-point lead at the half, uh, which, of course, you know, if you get any separation, if he gets any separation, he's making a three. Yeah, we, we allowed him to get too much space several times in this game. Um, one, one to get the game started, he had a wide-open three. Then late in the half, and there was one late in the game. Uh, um, you can't give – we did a great job for most of the time – uh, against, especially against on Saturday against Antonio Reeves, but um, letting a guy like this that um, really you could sometimes if you you can get a good contest, but uh, with his uh, his form with that ball over his head, it's hard to hard to block. But um, yeah, way too way too much separation there. Um, if it was a if he would if we would have got a stop there, maybe um, got a bucket, you're looking at a two point game and a half maybe. So. Um, that was a big key right there to end the half, um, jumping into this halftime box score. Lance led the way with five, two of six shooting. Um, we did not we did not see the Lance Jones we saw against uh, Illinois State. He struggled shooting in this one, just like the whole team. Um, him and Marcus had combined nine points at half and uh, combined four of 13 shooting. Yeah, you can tell that Lance wasn't as aggressive. Um he was either turning it over or just not shooting, not penetrating. We know their pack line defense, they don't allow a whole lot in the paint, but they'll allow a lot of threes, which did get us back in the game. But um, as soon as I saw Lance not being as aggressive, I didn't think it was gonna anything was going to go right. And obviously it looked like that at the very start. But he did turn it on a little bit. Marcus, 2 of 7 shooting. And we'll get to it, Noah, that Trey Burhow and him were getting into it a little bit. That, not, that didn't really happen in the second half that we saw on TV. It might have happened a little in the first. Um, but he was a tough matchup for Marcus again. You know, he struggled. I mean, there were times, obviously, in this game where other people were on him. He didn't take advantage. But um, Burhow was obviously the best matchup for him. Even when A.J. Green was on him, Marcus could have took advantage more. Um, but, yeah, he, he always leaves, and we talked about it earlier. He leaves about five more points on the board. Per game, he could be averaging around 20 like a lot of these other players do, but he misses so much easy stuff or doesn't take advantage and vice versa. All the stuff we've said before, and we've everything we've said about this team happened in this game. We said before that we'd be saying almost the same kind of things in this pod like we have all season about the inconsistencies, and we'll write a book at the end of this season about all the things inconsistently that they did. But we did show fight there at the end, you know, and coming back, but it was like you had to, and their turnovers led you back into this game. Um, but I would definitely say that, um, you know, obviously, and we'll get to what the team posted a video after a loss. That is that's unacceptable. You can't post moral victories for holding a team to a certain amount of, you know, percentage or points or whatever. You didn't win. That's all that matters. But um, definitely could have had more from Lance and Marcus in the start of this game. Yeah, they both combined. They combined for six turnovers, um, three apiece. So, uh, and uh, combined for one assist. That lone assist was the Marcus. So, um, when your two best playmakers and scores aren't only combined for one assist in the half, that's not very good. No one even Cash had tied with Marcus for the most minutes in the first half. He only shot three times. Only made that three that kicked off the game. He was rebounding a little bit, and he talked about it that. Um, about his rebounding in this game, but um, Steven only one for one, so not a whole lot of shooting overall. Marcus and Lance did all of it, and we've said that we wish Cash would shoot more uh, when he had when he has opportunities. But 
just a, obviously the, one of the worst starts to a half I've ever seen, the worst half of a half I've ever seen. Um, but uh, Trent played six minutes. Troy played seven. No, we'll get to Troy. He passed up a lot of opportunities to score, didn't he? Yeah, especially in the second half, we'll get to it. But, uh, um, yeah, his minutes are slowly going down, and it's looking like um, that's either taking effect because uh, he's not being as aggressive because uh, we we talked about him. The more he was playing, the more comfortable he got and the more aggressive he got. He was hitting. Um, he wasn't scared to shoot the open three, and he had a couple um, he passed up on. Yes, and it's it, we just can't afford that. When you're when you're coming to the game, you gotta not just go through the motions. You gotta try to pitch in best you can. But we know certain guys have their roles. But yeah, we'll get to some more stuff. But looking at it, we were three of eight from three. Yeah, they were four of six, and they were perfect from the free throw line. We only shot four times. So there's there's some of the points there, and we shot three more times. But that's because of their turnovers, and we had three extra possessions um, on them to shoot. We both made about seven. Field goals, turnovers, yeah, 10, us, 11 then, and then rebounds. <clears throat> they were out rebounding this fifth, or 16 to 12. So just obviously not a great uh, first half by any means, but we only did have it at seven. We were keeping the window open as we tweeted about. The window was slightly open for us, and hopefully it was going to stay open. So how did the second half start? Yeah, the second half uh, started, um, I believe uh, they made a lineup change at halftime. Steven started for Dalton. We went with the same starting lineup as Illinois State. Uh, Steven got the slide in there at half. Um, started with another turnover by us. Uh, Marcus turned it over. Um, then we got going here. Um, JD got a layup uh, assist by Cash. That was a good pass by Cash. They cut it to three. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the play that we were talking about before. That was Chaos. That cash like slid on the floor. They didn't yeah. call a travel. He got it to JD and he made some crazy layup that was nuts. Yeah, then uh, we got another stop. Then uh, Steven hit another jumper, so it cut it to three. Um, there was a really good start, a lot better start to the half than uh, definitely the first half. It cut it to three. Um, but uh, Lance missed the three. They go down. Uh, Carter gets a layup, put it back at five. They went on a mini run here. And uh, until about the under four, no, the under, yeah, under about the under 14 mark, um, we started getting back in it. Dalton got a layup. Uh, Marcus got a layup. Uh, cut it to three. Then Marcus hit a three to tie it up. Uh, I think he got a switch with Fife on him. Fife gave him way too much room. Knocked down a three. And we were like, okay, here we are. Once again, we've, we, let, we gave a team so many point lead. Um, battled back, used everything we got, and uh, Bone Moore goes down, takes the takes the lead right back. Uh, but uh, we called a timeout, I believe. This was out of a timeout, and a well drawn up play for somebody other than Lance or Marcus Trent Brown, wide open three in the corner, nails it, one point lead. Yeah, we've we've seen that play before, and you know they are pretty well or do pretty good job at drawing up plays out of the timeout, like we've said. But Trent had a lot more drawn up for him as this game went on. Uh, which, yeah, that was great. We didn't think we were ever going to have the lead in this game, and we did. But some other things noticed in this first half, or in the second half, Noah, that Marcus was shooting a lot more. Is they were giving him space. We mentioned he's got to have a lot of space to be able to get his shot off at times. And, yeah, Fife, he missed a couple of bunnies at, you know, at points in this game. Again, he made his free throws, but he was giving him room there. Um, and then Steven looked a lot more um, aggressive than he has been. You can just tell the way he's dribbling. He was actually getting to the paint. You know, he was handling the ball <clears throat> at times and making a difference, I would say, and making it hard on defense as everybody was else was. But also, Noah, that brings us to the point that I don't know if they talked about it after the game, but we do so much on defense that it kind of like, you know, wears us out on the offensive end. That feels like that's been the case, especially even when we get in the half court where you feel like you can relax and run your offense and rest. We want to be up in transition, but we do exert a lot of energy on the defensive end. Yeah, the style of defense we play, that uh, floor burn you type style, um, the way Bryant played, um, it takes a lot. And uh, I believe Mike asked Cash after the game in the interview, um, is it hard to continue playing defense uh, when you're not scoring on the other end? And uh, Cash just disagreed, obviously. Um, he wouldn't agree with him, but uh, saying, yeah, well, it's it's – we got it's what we got to do. It's the style play we got to do, and 
yeah, I wonder it, it takes a lot, uh, lot out of them, but, uh, maybe that's, uh, we're short on some shots a lot. So I wonder if that's the problem of it, but, uh, um, spotting teams somewhat big of a lead and use so much energy to just get back in, it takes a lot out of us too. Yeah, for sure. And they just wear down and they're not able to execute at the end of games, but you're right. They did go on a run when, as soon as we tied it though, they went, ended up being up 42 to 36. Then Lance had a layup. Um, it was a crazy layup that he banked off, fouled by Heisey, made the free throw. So it's a three-point game again here. And then this is when, Noah, as we mentioned earlier, that Burhow and Marcus were kind of going at it. We've discussed that kind of, you know, how Marcus loves to post people up, that that can kind of be um, whatever to, like, somebody like Burhow who is a little, you know, outspoken, that he would, like, have that as a sign of, like, disrespect that you're backing down, but then you obviously don't score, and then he starts talking, like, you can't do that on me or something. I think that's how that stuff can start. Did see Marcus talking back a little bit, but Burhow is definitely in his face and talking probably in his head a little bit. Because uh, Noah, this one, he he beat or then jab step off Marcus and went for an easy dunk that kind of swung the game, I think, at that point. Um, as soon as that happened, I think it was uh, it started going downhill because that's when we were close and that's when it made it a five point lead. And we really couldn't escape it after that. Outside of when Lance got fouled um, and made three or cut it to three, I remember at one point. Uh, Burhau was like messing with his shoulder like it came out of place or whatever but that was before the dunk and they acted like he was fine he was milking that a little bit um but yeah then AJ got this three to make it that six point lead I think that's when Mike mentioned to Brian after the game when it got to that six point lead after the three that it kind of just got out of hand but you know we didn't think so because then Lance makes a three AJ Green got a dunk then it was six after Noah Carter made a couple free throws no we took AJ Green and Noah Carter Outside of AJ's threes there, we took Noah Carter out of this game in the second half almost. Yeah, we did a really good job on him. He, uh, he struggled in the post, uh, took away his right his right hand. He likes to go over that left-hand shoulder. And uh, the score with ease, he was, uh, I believe he was, two, he was two of seven, only had seven points, um, only had two rebounds. So uh, we really, we kept him in check. Uh, we know what he did to us in Carbondale. He was a big factor um, down here, but uh they had other guys step up and uh, really helped them out. Like Burhal had 11 rebounds. Heiss had 10. So um, they stepped up there. Then, yeah, we did a decent job. AJ was 7 of 14 from the field, um, 4 of 9 from 3. He hits, he hits all his free throws. He never misses from there, it feels like, at 24. But, uh, yeah, that was a big moment. It's, uh, it's not a surprise that uh, teams with us switching um, a lot of every – mostly everything – um, teams isolate Marcus, and uh, we've seen what he does at the defensive end. Yeah, I got nervous every time he switched off to AJ. But we've talked so many times that you don't, you know, I think it should be imp- embedded into their brains that they don't have to switch everything when it's no, when it's not needed to get the matchup that they want. You just fall right in the offensive hands, offense's hands. And I just, I've never been a fan of switching. Obviously, you just got to go off script sometimes. We talked about that on the offensive end and then with that on defense. If the switch isn't 100% there, if you don't have to, then don't. We know the times when you do switch, no, when they're crossing underneath the basket and you have an easy switch there or just, I don't know, just multiple ways that you can, but you don't have to every single time. Like I said, falls right in the offensive hands. But yeah, and then, I mean, Steven was trying to set screens and getting offensive fouls on those. I mean, you and I had about 10 of those, it seemed like. We were getting some benefit of the doubt by their turnovers on that in that realm. But yeah, we weren't able to take advantage. Next thing you know, they're shooting free throws, and yeah, they don't miss. And that A.J. Dunk made it five with two minutes, and we couldn't get anything. It was those fouls. Cash got a lot of bad fouls called on him, um, a lot of bad fouls. And he called, and he talked about it after the game. But yeah, after that happened, then they escaped, and him and uh, or Noah and AJ made free throws, and then we lost by nine. So, um, yeah, I mean, like we said, if you don't dig yourself that huge hole at the beginning, it does take the energy out of you getting all the way back in, even with their turnovers. It puts you in a bad spot, but you do take the lead. It's just sustaining that at that point, Noah, and then them making most of their free throws cuts it because I remember the previous game we make a couple free throws we win that game and that could be the case in this one what, what was the reason why we lost this one outside of the the crappy start yeah it's a it's a crappy start obviously that's the big one um uh, too many turnovers really that's that helps us there but uh um when Marcus and Lance combined for eight of eight for 29 and three of 13 from behind um the three-point arc and nine turnovers 
Um, that's not very good. Uh, we gotta we rely on those two so much, but uh, the rest of the team combined for eight for nineteen, um, four of nine from the arc, and seven turnovers. So that gets us our sixteen turnovers. And uh, when we're having our two two top guys having bad nights, uh, are we even capable? I wonder if we're capable. Obviously, we did with Trent, but running something for somebody else, we have to have we have other guys that we think can make shots. Obviously, we're not right now, um, but. Maybe maybe we should look for other options. Um, but in that case, you have to have another guy step up and want the ball um, when Lance and Marcus are being challenged like that all night long because um, we know how much attention uh, the other teams take take on them. So um, we got to find another offensive, offensive threat. Um, we've seen it from Cash. Um, we continuously talk about Steve and how – he can go off the dribble and get his little fade away whenever he wants. Um, but, yeah, it's just when when we're struggling with Marcus and Lance and nobody else being aggressive, um, now Troy is shy to shoot the ball. Um, I, Kyler, he, he does well when he's in the game, um, but he doesn't get to play down the stretch a lot. We switch, so we go to the small lineup a lot down the stretch. Um, but if Trent's not knocking down shots, and uh, Lance and Marcus and everybody else is scared to shoot the ball. It's another offensively challenged night, and we've seen that way too many times this year. I mean, yeah, 44 points. You're right. When you're when they're not shooting the ball, I mean, Trent playing 22 minutes has. I mean, Cash he 32 minutes and only shot four times. That just can't happen. He did rebound, but in the end, you got to score to win. And he's got to be that third fiddle if the other two guys are struggling. But if both of them are struggling, then we're not going to win regardless. It's crazy that we can even think or even look at the final box score and it's somewhat close at any points with your top two struggling. But you would think, and every other team around the Valley would seem like they have that other option to help out when their top guys aren't on. Unless you're Missouri State and you rarely have both Cram and Mosley off their games. Um, but you have the shooting of everybody else to, to bail them out. And yeah, but they, those guys aren't scared to shoot. Yeah, our guys are scared to shoot. Yeah, Troy, what was it? He only shot once, but yeah, he, he passed up about three more opportunities. A lot, of, a lot of these guys did, and we, and we'll have a segment at the end of the year, in terms of like a topic of how many times did we say he can do that whenever he wants? And that was the case with Steven. We thought as as the aggressiveness went on in the second half that he would take more advantage of that, and even Kyler shooting twice. I mean, him and JD ten minutes apiece, and Troy, they're not going to get those chances. But even Dalton, Noah, he they took him out of this game. He shot one of four. He had a bad three-point shot or two, 17 minutes. And Jacobson was talking how they've been, uh, we've been starting Dalton. And I guess he prepared really good for that, knowing it was going to happen again. And it totally took Dalton out of the game. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing, <clears throat> outside of your top guys playing bad, because your defense was pretty well. Like I said, their turnovers led it. But Cash can't shoot four times. Um, he was two of two from three. Cash is the one guy that we'd say, like, remember at the beginning of the season, remember when we talked about we wish he would get more in the flow of the offense and not force up a lot of shots. Well, over this time, he hasn't. But now it's getting to the point of the season where, man, if you got the, even the glimmer of, you know, separation, man, shoot it. Because he's honestly, he's become our best shooter because he shoots more than Steven. Cash is a great shooter, and that seems like what his game has evolved into, that, uh, man, you got to just pull it. And, you know, because you're, you're pretty good at it and it usually goes in. And usually it's in key moments or it's to kick off the game like it was the other night. So, again, it's it's contributions again. It falls on a lot of it. You know, Marcus missed a lot of easy shots again. Like I said, he leaves about five points a game on the board. Lance leaves about six, and that's probably from the free throw line itself. So, um, it's just these guys missing. I mean, they were, they were trying to drive and having the ball go off their foot out of bounds. Like, a lot of it's mental and, you know, being in situations – Put yourself in the best situation to score and make the shots you know you can. Marcus, you know, he'd get deep into the paint and he would do his step back floater where he, he should make it. He's probably five feet away, doesn't make it. He arguably could go up and try to bank it and be strong with it because Heisey was on at one point in the paint, right? And he didn't do anything, didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird to see uh, Marcus says uh, when he's posting up his decision making of. What we think is a matchup he should go attack, and the ones he do does attack. So, uh, um, still wondering um, what's going on there. His mindset. Um, obviously, we're wondering what this whole team's mindset is. But uh, yeah, it's 
it's another struggling game. Um, we say we're say we say Brian says we're a good shooting team. Um, we are last in the valley in three points three pointers made in a game. Um, we're we're at the bottom four in the valley in three point shooting. Um, if you exclude Evansville, we're the lowest scoring team in the valley, and uh, you're in a lot of the bottom in a lot of offensive categories. You're in the bottom, um, so it's going to be like that all year, I guess. So uh, we got to figure something out here for the home stretch. Um, if you want any kind of chance going into March. Yeah. The nitty gritty of, I mean, they haven't been a good offensive team all year. We know that. I mean, out Valpo, we scored 77. That's been few and far between. There's even a stat. I mean, obviously we rely on our defense. We've only allowed two teams all year to score 70 or more. And both of them recently, but there's one thing to have your defense be as great as it is, but you've got to put points on the board and, we have two guys that can do that. We have a team. I mean, if you think about what Kyler can do in the paint, and then you have, I, I mean, Brian's right. We do have good shooters, but they don't shoot it, or they miss open shots. Like, But, like, S- Steven wasn't at the top of the valley for no reason shooting. He just doesn't shoot enough. Like, there's probably been, what, two games this year where he's shot pretty bad. But, like, really, like, it's because, you know, he's either shooting bad or just not taking him at all on trend. Yeah, he had designed threes for him over kind of open threes to make and he didn't make them um so like we do have the shooters but it doesn't it doesn't translate it doesn't execute we don't shoot that well and yeah if we're right there with evansville and scoring i guess we're in for a snooze fest tomorrow um per se but they score 58 a game we score about 61 yeah. and then we look up what the that's overall the season but haven't we been seeing what like you know, sole conference stats and points have been. Yeah, I looked it up. I uh, It's like we allow 62 in conference and we're scoring 60. So um, if you're allowing more than you score, you're not going to win very many games. No one you would think if it's about even with points you allow and create that you should have a, some wins, right? It should, shouldn't really honestly be, a, uh, you know, a team really under 500. We know the close losses we have. But roll through real fast the points per game in conference by our players. We went over that earlier. That is sad. Yeah, it is a well. Obviously, we went through it and thought it was pretty shocking, but it's not. After you think about it, um, let me roll it up here real quick because um, it's not good. Um, your leading scorer in conference, averaging fourteen point seven points per game, is Lance Jones, and he missed a game. So. Um, then Marcus is right behind him at 14.2. Uh, Cash is at 8.6. Then it drops all the way down to Dalton Banks with 5.4. Then Steven at 4.7. Kyler at 4.1. JD, who starts at averaging about three points a game. Um, then it drops down to guys like uh, Troy averaging 2.7, Trent 2.2, and Anthony, who's barely played at two. So um, it's it's not good. Um, I would expect going into the year, I thought Marcus would be uh, close to 20. Um, I don't know what it is with him. He's struggling shooting the ball. I know he had that kind of hippish injury early in the year. I don't know if that's still nagging at him. We don't know because we never hear anything about injuries. We know Lance. Lance is still looking like more of himself. So um, I think his injury is kind of starting to pass him. Um, we know Trent Brown. He has had that back injury. He's finally getting the back of more more playing time, more getting into his role. Um, but the other guys, it's it's Dalton. Dalton's okay if he averages five and comes off the bench and rebounds, plays defense, and makes plays. And now he's just now getting the starting lineup. That's fine with me. Um, but the big one is Kyler and Steven. We need more from them than Cash at eight point six. The just trying to think of games we talked about him games early in the year where. He was shooting seven, eight threes a game, and now he's last couple it's been two, two a game. Yeah, or it seems like this conference season it's been about four or five, or not even that. But yeah, I mean Steven shouldn't be scoring less per game than Dalton. I agree, Dalton about five points a game is perfect. I mean, and even JD scoring like in the twos or threes, like, but that's when if he doesn't do that, but gets everything that he provides, that like Kyler should be able to even that out with his points. But you know, Kyler, there will be games where you know Illinois State he was he was good. That obviously at certain points of this game, you know, five played at times. Cole Henry got in the game at one point, but there's just no room for Kyler being on the floor in this kind of matchup, as we know. So those games that are just bad matchups for people like him, that it takes him out and then he doesn't score enough, and that's where those averages fall out to be. But 
It's just yeah, we we just just known all year off we're not an offensive team. We rely on the defense, and sometimes it just does not work out or get you in these positions to win, and you don't because you can't score in those chances. So that's just what it's been all year. We we've lived with it, we've lived with it, and just know the team that we are. And we've said you know moving forward that especially tomorrow just. Because obviously, if we're over, you said over what the last two years against top teams? I mean, over, over 16 right now. So, like, now you just got to, the rest of this year, it's beat the teams you're supposed to. You get two against Bradley and Drake. Um, I mean, and, and then just play it out. And then, like we've said, get in the tournament and just swing for the fences kind of thing. But and we'll get into some of that stuff. But it's, it, it's incredibly sad when you know you're in games, but you just can't finish because you know it's not. You just don't have enough on that end. But, yeah, if Marcus and Lance are playing that bad, you won't win anyway. So Yeah, then, uh, yeah, it's just the wins, win thing. I told you, um, I believe it was the other day, uh, our best win is on the edge of dropping out of Kim Palm's top 100, which is Colorado, um, way back, and it's probably the peak of our season at this point. And our second and third best wins are against uh, Valpo, who's ranked at 214. Um, so that is not good. No one even thinking back to the Creighton win that we should have had. They're they're high up there. They're probably in the middle of the pack. They've had that. They've had an up and down as season, but they've been a decent team. I think that was the game also where you know where we didn't finish it, and that's when it spiraled in terms of not being able to you know score or hold teams and you know and those kinds of execution. I think that's when it started. Um, the Northeastern game, like we said, was kind of just a wash in memory of how that game ended up. Be out the Colorado win, you should have had more. You're right. They've they've fallen apart. It's kind of sad the team they've become. A lot of the see. teams we've played are falling apart. Uh, we complained about the schedule being so weak at the beginning of the year, but uh, here we are at under 500. Yeah, you said uh, where's Austin P. Right, we Little Rocks at the bottom of the horizon. Um, they're sixth. Uh, they're eight and fourteen, sixth in the OVC. Yeah. And then Seema, what about Seema? We killed them. And they've had, you know, hit or misses this year. Yeah, they are fourth in the OVC. It's not, I mean, really. I'm trying to think. Okay, UT Martin must have dropped Moorhead hard. State's in there. UT Martin dropped hard. Yeah, then just, we like to keep track. Little Rock's in the bottom of the Sun Belt. Um, or yeah, Sun Belt. Uh, Northeastern was, I believe we talked about, they were picked to win their conference. Now they're last in their conference this year. So, um, ever since they beat us, I guess they fell off the edge of the earth. Um, so uh, Tulsa's bottom in the American Southern Miss, I believe, is like six, six and seventeen, like sixth in the in their division in the Conference USA. So um, very underwhelming schedule. We talked about it, complained about it, but um, it is what it is at this point. It's an average schedule for an average team. For the most part, yeah, and I would I'd be interested to see what it looks like next year. Maybe a slew in there or something, but get the D two teams off our schedule. Yeah, I would say, and even adding the two, um, you know, extra conference games, the three extra or two overall, but three of teams. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how the non con plays out. But yeah, Lance did have three steals, got his average officially over two. If you know it was like a one point nine something, now it's like two point oh four. Or whatever, so he still leads the way in that. So yeah, just a, a crappy game, swept by the Panthers, just like the Bears and the Ramblers that we are. Um, like I said, just game by game, beat the teams you're supposed to. So we'll we'll cover Evansville, who had a split with the Sycamores. We'll also get to in this one. Um, yeah, those are your thoughts. I wonder if there were any notable quotes that Brian had in this one. But okay, no, thinking back to uh, what Cash said after the game. Um, we mentioned, you know, he was upset with some of the fouls on him, but he also talked about because they asked him, as you mentioned earlier, the uh, um, what everybody said, uh, and is it like the physicality of this? Is this the most physicality you've seen in your career at the two stops you've been at? And he said no. He said basketball is still the same, in his opinion, but um, definitely uh, the physicality. But then the preparation, he said, the preparation we have here is. Um, you know, a lot of film, a lot of the coaches put them in good positions, all that. That stuff he hasn't seen, but the physicality, he said, isn't the same or is the same as everywhere else he's been, which seems to be the case. The UNLV and then I guess Little Rock, but you know, he's getting thrown around like a rag doll at times, and he did in this game as well. Yeah, it's it's been it's a lot physical. It's one of the most I'd say the most physical league in the country, um, especially this year. If you watch any of the games, um, the 
Missouri Valley refs are letting them play and uh, a lot of contact. Um, we know Lance goes to the rim expecting contact a lot, trying to get fouled. Um, but yeah, I would disagree with him. I'd say this is out of the Sun Belt and the Mountain West. Um, this would be the most physical league, even though he said it was just basketball. Um, then yeah, it's just another one of those things where um, he's. Then we talked about this, uh, but he was asked about uh, you got to sit down. He said you got to you got no matter what the score, you, we got to buckle down and just got to get stops. When uh, Mike asked him about. Um, is it hard to play defense when uh, we can't go score another end? So it's a, uh, it's one of those things where um, you do got to got to buckle down, but we got to start getting some offense on the other end. Yeah, hopefully that does signal to him that he he's got to shoot more. Hopefully he does. As time goes on, Brian was talking about AJ Green, um, who did have those twenty four points. Said he's a high level player. You kind of pick your poison with him. If you trap him on ball screens, if you overhelp on drives, he's able to really make you pay with his passing. We were going to try to make him tough. Make him take tough twos. He made a couple threes that we wanted to have back. Um, and then he said, I thought Marcus caught the ball in good positions. Lance had some good clean looks, and Trent had some good looks, which those are your cornerstone guys. Um, and it's crazy. It wasn't there one player. Trent had the top of the key. Was that a double Was that a double wall screen at the top? I don't remember, but they got him open at the top. And then he had um, – we do have those designs. Marcus hit some under the basket at the one that he made. But we talked about that, right, that – we want more of our shooters to get drawn up plays for them, and um, we want to see more of this for Trent every game because he's got to be an impact more with his 22 minutes. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to exactly, um, unless it's something like the one he made where Marcus has a post up and it's a it's a flare screen from one of our bigs hitting the screen on their man. Um, not a lot of our guys can just come off a screen and straight up pull up maybe like a Cooper Nice. Uh, or on one of the other shooters in the valley, um, that's not. They're more of a just a catch and shoot type. Um, but yeah, we got to start drawing something up. I think if you run, I don't know about Trent, but like a Steven or a Cash, they can maybe instead of pulling up, they could go to the, try to drive and make something happen for somebody else. Um, but yeah, we got to start running stump if your two guys are struggling. Um, but we got to have those guys that like want to step up and want the ball if our two guys are struggling and uh, Mullins ended the, ended his uh, conversation with Mike uh, with the next step is doing it. He said, we're not afraid to play anyone. We have good depth so we can use different matchups against different playing styles. We need to continue to improve heading into the conference tournament and uh, the ending there. That's all throughout the rest of this conference play. Um, just stay out of Thursday, continue to improve. And uh, we want to, like he says, we want to play our best ball going into March. And uh, that's what we got to find a way to do. Yeah, and we very well could do that. You know, if they could kick off with a game that you should win tomorrow and you get Bradley, which we'll get to them with unexpected uh, and shocking entry into their starting five and played. Um, but like games like that, obviously, like I said, Bradley and Drake are the only two top teams you play the rest of the way. So just it is a game by game thing. And you're right, he did say that. It's just all about improving. Once you're in the tournament, then all bets are off. So, um, yeah, a wash of a game again. You know, could have arguably swept the Panthers too, and now they're ten and three at the top of the conference. Um, so no, let's get around the valley and then we'll jump in the standings. Yeah, and uh, we have a uh, another probability update after we jump into this. Um, around the valley, it was a on Tuesday. It started off. We had uh, Evansville go on the road without uh, one of their better players, uh, Newton, um, to, to play the Sycamores. Um, they get a road win. Shamar Givens led the way, 19 points. Um, it was a surprising surprising road win. Um, I thought they, I thought they would, these teams would split, but I didn't expect them to split um, with the road team getting both wins. So uh, Shamar does his thing. Newton out. Um, he's missed – he missed their game last night as well, so um, haven't seen an update for him tomorrow night, but uh, they get a big road win. Yeah, and it's, it is kind of shocking that Indiana State, being a good home team, would allow that to happen. But, um, yeah, they got some contributions. We talked about even Coleman and Frederick King being kind of underwhelming for them, but they got 17 combined, and Antoine Smith with 10 off the bench. I mean, they got and then led by Gibbons, and if he leads the way, they have really good chances of winning most of the time. Yep, uh, then uh, Wednesday um, – was uh, some good basketball. Missouri State went on the road to Drake, um, get a big road win. Um, Mosley 
and Prim lead the way. Prim with 21 points. Uh, Mosley held to 14, but had 14 and 11. Um, big time, big time road win for the Bears. Um, Manette with 10 off the bench that helps him. Lukai Patterson had 10 as well. Um, they kept Roman Payne really good in check. Six points, two of 10 shooting. And uh, they keep everybody else pretty good in check. Sturts led the way with 12 and 8. With Brody, had a really good game, and Tank Hemphill had a really good game. Yeah, big uh, bench contributions. There wasn't there a point in this game people were complaining about a bad – it was Donovan Clay had the ball out of bounds and was kind of losing it, kind of lost it out of his hands for a second. They didn't call anything. He kept it, uh, hit Prim, and then Prim went down to whoever for a dunk on the other end. That, you know, Darren was incensed, and it seems like that's happened to Drake a couple times that they feel like they gotten screwed by the refs this year, right? Yeah, that's uh, they've got some bad calls. Uh, I don't know exact. I wouldn't off the top of my head. I don't know exact ruling. Uh, it would just be a violation or some sorts because uh, he lost all control of the ball and it went into play, but he reached out with his lengthy arms and got it still. Yeah, I don't know if like because if he's shuffling his feet a little bit too, if they told him you can't move at all. Sometimes they tell you you can, but I don't know how. Yeah, all that kind of stuff works. Because obviously they would have called it if they saw. Maybe they all weren't looking. They were looking for him to uh, pass the ball or like to pass the ball, so they were looking away, didn't see it, and bobble it or something. I don't know. But um, kudos to Missouri State for going on the road and getting this win. Uh, Drake's at times been vulnerable. They've lost a couple now. Um, more, I mean, Murphy still only two points. DeVries had a rough shooting night. Wilkins had two it was bad shooting from their whole starting five. It was kind of a save by Tank and Brody. Um, but yeah, Mosley 14 on 14. And, you know, it's, that was one of those kinds of games, but they couldn't hold Pram and look like Pram couldn't start Brody and vice versa. So that's a tough game by two top teams. So yeah. what's the season series there, you know? Uh, I believe they split Drake one on the road and Missouri State one on the road. There you go. So, uh. Getting the game in, we were most involved with watching for uh, standings-wise. Valpo went on the road at Illinois State. Still without Kithier, Illinois State was without Howard Fleming, Amon Washington, and uh, Cy Chapman, who had uh, had his – he was supposed to have surgery Wednesday, had it moved to the 16th, so he had to have surgery. But um, got a little nervous in this one. We thought uh, we were going to fall to the 7 for a quick spot here. Um Valpo had a seven or a fifteen point lead in the second half on Illinois State, but they fought back, got it to overtime, and uh, Antonio Reeves doing what he does best. Uh, we we held him from this, but he had thirty four for a three point win by the Redbirds. That's tough. I mean, he shot efficiently. Yeah, the Valpo we know isn't a great defensive team. Um, Aaron Gordon had to start for Valpo in this one, and Kevion Taylor's been really been turning it on lately. He had twenty six. But yeah, Lee McChesney, 16 and 10, that's huge. They did start him and Schmidt, which is something that thankfully we didn't see. We saw him on the court, but they didn't start together. Who knows? And we said that they didn't shoot well against us. Game could have totally changed. And also, we'll be seeing them in Banterra. But yeah, I mean, that was a big game. You're right, because they would have had a game at hand on us. We would have had more losses with the same amount of wins. So they would have, yes, had the six for a little bit. Um, but it does help, obviously, moving forward that we do have the tiebreaker of sweep. Um, it's just holding on to that six spot. That was a, that was a good game. Yeah. Then the uh, the the late night game at eight o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Loyola goes on the road to Bradley. Um, surprise! Uh, guess who showed up out of warmups? Terry Roberts in the starting lineup, and uh, Drake continues to stay in the in the and maybe in the top four if they can sneak in there. Um, maybe top three if they want. Um, to stay hot, they get a big home win, 68-61, big time win for Bradley. They had contributions from um, some some guys. If you don't watch Bradley basketball, you've never heard of. He has not played a lot this year. And Zach Montgomery, 12 points off the bench. Um, rank held to six and 14. Terry only had 11. Um, he's still wearing that boot on his left foot, but a big time win. Not surprised by Brian Wardle and Gank. No, we've talked about how much we like Wardle, and he's able to find these guys like Montgomery and come in here and uh, get those 12 points. You know, he was getting easy shots and nice shots and nice fadeaways. He's a nice player. We talking before that we would like to make a trade and maybe get him or something. All jokes aside, but Darius Hand and Noah played a little bit. We know he's been sporadic. Two minutes, two points. Um, boy, I barely played. But Jason Kent, 19 minutes, didn't score. Shot uh, 0 for 5. But, yeah, Tavon Eidenhow and Montgomery – 
with a uh, 35 total, half their half their points off the bench for those three guys. So without any real contributions from Mass, didn't play as good. Uh, Leones is turning it on scoring-wise. Uh, then, yeah, we're seeing Terry play 30 minutes, let alone 30 minutes in his return. And then he end up – he was in a boot right after the game. Yeah, he put, he's putting it on and still wearing it today for protectiveness. That's tough. Um, but yeah, – and I don't know how no Tara Vinant, however you pronounce it, or Mikey Howe, or maybe Montgomery now slide in that lineup because Kent Hickman combined for zero points, over 10 shooting. I mean, um, Tava Nainen's been really good off the bench this year. I don't know if they'd like that extra boost off the bench, um, but Hickman and Kent seem to struggle offensively big time. Yeah, it almost cost them, but then Ugok had two, and Clemens didn't score on Loyola's, and they didn't have a whole lot of scoring. Schweiger had nine, though, which maybe could jumpstart him. Um, but, yeah, Kent, again, we talked about his scoring, zero points. It'll be interesting to see Bradley coming into Banterra with uh, all that they got going on. They're scary, and we'll talk about where we want, maybe want them to place because we just kind of sneak peeked it a little bit there. What are some games coming up uh, tomorrow? Yeah, we had one last night, the two games in three days. Uh, Indiana State goes on the road. Um, double overtime win at at Evansville. Cooper needs 35 points. Um, big time win uh, for the Sycamores on the road to steal one back. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see looking at the standings um, here now. Uh, Northern Iowa top the league ten and three. Loyola nine and three. Missouri State nine and four. Drake now the four seed at eight and four. Bradley only a game behind Drake for that four seed at eight and five. We're at five and or. Yeah, we're at five and eight. Uh, Valpo's right behind us at four and eight, so it's Illinois State at four and eight. Three and nine, Indiana State and Evansville's at the bottom of the league at two and ten. So it's interesting to see there because uh, if Valpo were to hold on, we're in that seven spot for now. But looking ahead this Saturday and Sunday, um, Evansville is at us, obviously. Then Illinois State and Indiana State, um, that's, that's one to watch out for. That might be a... 8-9 uh, matchup on Thursday night in the tournament. Valpo goes on the road to Missouri State. Um, then Bradley, another big one, Drake at Bradley. If they get that one, they take over that four seed. Uh, that makes that makes Drake the five seed, which is crazy to think about. Then on Sunday, um, a big one, Northern Iowa goes on the road at Loyola. ESPN 2. Yeah, cool. definitely. Uh, some big games there. You're right. Illinois State, Indiana State. They're, that'll be an interesting game, I agree. Seeing how what Valpo can do. Um, I want to say, what's the status on Kithier? I feel like I saw their latest box score. I he did say, not play. I was going to say, I thought I glanced at his name, but he was probably just on there in general. Uh, that'd be a tough, if he was able to play just somehow, it'd be a better matchup for them against at, or at Missouri State. Drake and Bradley will be at it. Bradley keeps surging. That will be um, a must-ticket when they come here because they'll turn it on and they love this time of year. So um, You're right, Drake Fawn is, is interesting. And as time goes on, that they could definitely be, and be yeah, them being in that four or five game would totally just shake a lot of stuff up. But we are seemingly locked in uh, to six or lower. We won't get any higher, neither will anyone else below us, barring a win out scenario and other people losing. So, um, yeah, who's got the who's got the longest? You and I have now won five straight in the valley. Bradley's now on a two, and we're either win one, lose one, but Drake losing two in a row definitely is huge. So what's the probabilities update? Yeah, looking at the probabilities update, which uh, doesn't change for us. for our Well, the percentage does, but we still have the highest percentage for the sixth seed. It's now up to 83%. Um, but if you look at the standings, uh, there's two teams at four and eight behind us, so that's a game right there. And Indiana State at three and nine uh, – there's a chance if they wanted to, they could somehow crawl their way out of Thursday night, um, but it would take a lot. But um, Loyola has the highest percentage at one. Um, then if you look at it, Missouri State, the two, uh, it would be Northern Iowa, the three, Drake, the f no, then Bradley, the four, then Drake is at the five. Um, a lot of percentages uh, that are mixed up. It's Missouri State. It still has a higher percentage to finish at three than some other team, which is weird to see. But yeah, Loyola. Um, I can't forget. I forget what they were at last time, but at 67% still 
in the 70s, I think. Yeah, so it's it's moved down a little bit. Drake is on, only down to a 5% chance at the 1. That was that was pretty high at one point, but uh, interesting to see these probabilities continue to come out. Yeah, and it's always, obviously, uh, us at 83, that is a big margin with how close it is, and you're right, with the game at hand. Uh, Loyola still 67 is shocking. I think, you know, they maybe look at UNI's schedule and say 14 is there, even though and they're 10-3. and three. I mean, that's every right to be deserving of being in the position they're in. I mean, they're in bracketology for Joe Lenardi is like a 13 seed, I think. So they have Loyola in, in there as well. I think it's a 10 or something. But um, that's good. I mean, we have two-bit Howie team at UNI. We've talked about whoever's in there with Loyola could be that other team. Um, but if Loyola keeps dropping some games, who knows how that could look. But uh, Noah, we've talked about that, you know, what will make it best and easiest for us. And we, we've talked and we've played every team, some of them twice, some of them obviously in somewhat close games. But we kind of want Bradley and or or Bradley or uh, Drake or not uh, Bradley or you and I at the three seed to make it easiest. Because we've said, I mean, we'll play Loyola or Drake as well. But we just want to avoid Missouri State at all costs. But if Bradley's going to surge to get to that three, they would have to beat us in that next game, which obviously we, we want to win games. What would be the another best case scenario? Yeah, the way the way Bradley's starting to play, and the, just the way Brian Wardle has his teams flip that switch in in St. Louis, it's uh, kind of scary to think about. You want to play them, but um, you and I falling to the three would probably be best case, in my opinion. Um, we match up with them the best. Um, it's almost like two identical teams almost. If you go through them, both have um, two 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 stars. So in, in Carter and Green for them. Um, so I would want you and I to three seed. But yeah, at all costs, uh, the worst matchup it would be uh, Missouri State as that three. But uh, yeah, it's weird. But hopefully, um, if it does end up that that Loyola gets the one, so Loyola, if we were somehow to make it out of Friday, it wouldn't be Loyola on Saturday, it'd be like you and I on Saturday. Yeah, a lot of things, still five games to shake things out, yeah, you and I, we do match up best with them, Bradley would turn it on, even like a Drake, we know we played them well, it's all wait and see with how we play it there, and we know Tank wasn't playing against us, and we barely lost. And he does obviously make a difference. But if they're struggling, you feel like you kind of want to play them. They're not going to struggle that much the rest of the five games. But the one through five is ever-changing, which is just crazy to think. And that is a game-by-game thing. Um, so, yeah, that's what we think. And obviously, like, every single time we'll talk about, you know, what we would like most for that. Um, we mentioned the bracketology uh, with two teams in it again. Now, Noah, let's jump into some small recruiting stuff where we cover Evansville again. Uh, we'll start with the somewhat breaking Illinois State landed a couple brothers today. Yeah, they landed two twins um, out of the North Carolina area that go to a prep school down there originally from Brooklyn. Um, two six three guards for next year. Um, as we look into it, they uh, Illinois State, unless there's transfer kids enter the portal, um, they will uh, – bring back everybody, and they add these two 6'3 guards um, from North Carolina, um, Tawan Simpkins and Takai Simpkins. Um, they are look pretty athletic, uh, both 6'3 guards. One's a point guard, one's more of a shooting guard. So um, Dan, Dan Mueller continues to get it done, um, even though their fans want him gone. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously – if they're not giving them this year, they'll give them next year with those players, and if they have a returning team, and then you would officially fire them. I think that would be the cusp of his final year anyway. They would have to, because he's under contract for that one year left, right? Uh, yes. Coming up. Yes. So, so he, I think they would give him that one year, and he recruit. He's trying to go, trying to go all out with that recruiting right there to give him that last final shot next year before he would be done. So. That is interesting. Yeah, a couple of those brothers are going to follow each other, so that is a, a advantage in terms of obviously recruiting. Yeah, twins. Uh, so they are pretty good. Uh, their Liberty Heights is currently twenty-five and two, um, with the twins leading the way. Takai is averaging twenty-four and five. Tashawn averages sixteen, six and five. So both both uh, Takai is more of a combo guard, and the other ones are more of a more style of a point guard. So. Um, pretty two good athletes, and uh, they keep they keep rolling in really good, talented guards. 
Yeah, because we talked about also we don't know the status of what Antonio Reeves could do if he's having another great year, test the waters, or people have said maybe transfer to a higher uh, team like even DJ Horn did, following his footsteps. That's interesting. So they did need to make probably get that get for their next year. We'll keep an eye out for that. And then Noah, Javon Maman visited somebody recently. Yeah, he is a uh, hard after R.J. Taylor, a 2023 guard. Um doing really well he's uh um coming onto the scene and the recruiting scene so uh it's good to see that he made a visit um probably looks like it's on his way to northern iowa it looks like so uh it'd be a good get um for next year but uh i think we still need to add to this year's class but um looking ahead rj taylor's a really really lethal score at the guard position yeah, and if he goes to UNI, that wouldn't shock us because everybody we're in on goes in the conference as well. That would be a great fit, I guess. But I looked at UNI's team. Everybody's from Iowa or Minnesota, so it's all just – it's crazy that they can just bring out of their own backyard or their own state to make the teams that they are. All of those Iowa schools probably do the exact same thing. So um, there's us, and we'll keep an eye out for about RJ. And then uh, Donya Mayno, we know we've – uh, been following him. We've been in on him. We remember the visit that he made and was posing in the jerseys and stuff. We just l- like some things that he posted on. He tagged us in these highlights he had recently with a lot of other schools too, but that's just something. Um, I think that's obviously because we like his tweets that he tagged us, which is interesting. What other schools that, that he tagged in those as well? Uh, some smaller schools. I uh, can't think. Not D1 schools off the top of my head. I don't remember. Yeah, so we'll just that's just something that happened as well. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, Kate update, do you have that ever or at all? No, there is no update since uh, they played uh, on senior night Friday, and he scored 16. Right, so, all right, yeah, so that's the whole recruiting um, area, and we've covered everything else. Now, no, I guess the Purple Aces for the second time, they are coming off that split. Arguably could have swept it, Indiana State. Um, which they're flipping flopping with them for nine or ten. Uh, we mentioned Javon or Newton did not play in the last game; hasn't for the last couple of games. We could see him, not sure, but let's jump into him. Yeah, he's day to day with a knee injury. Um, they will be coming off. They're coming off a split. Obviously, we just talked about it. Um, led by Shamar Gibbons with 14 a game. Um, Newton was averaging 13. Uh, Frederick King. Um, was averaging seven, um, but this will be their third game in five days, one of them being a double overtime game um, last night. So um, you could see f- some fatigue here, um, but I watched pro- majority of their game last night. And uh, down the stretch here, um, I told you today, um, he, did it in a, he did it in overtime, obviously. They had to get the result they wanted. But uh, I really like these younger guys they have. He, t- he mentioned on Monday – um, about the future of some of these guys, and uh, he's excited for it. And uh, watching them play, the younger guys I'm talking about, Preston Phillips, Blake Sisley um, out of Santa Claus, Indiana, and uh, Blaze Beauchamp, who hit like seven threes last night. Um, those three, I mean, I told you, I, I think they would be in the six or seven conversation, not in last place. If he would, If he would have just realized this at the beginning of the year, start those three alongside Newton and Gibbons and bring those um, more veteran-type players like Frederick King, Kuhlman, and Antoine Smith Jr. off the bench um, because I like I really like the game of these three young players. And we talked about the um, the style of play that Licklider does play, and you're right. He's finally put the switch and let these younger guys more involved, and that probably would be the case because we've said Kuhlman and Frederick King have kind of been underwhelming at times this year with both playing about 30 minutes a game. Averaging about seven apiece, but yeah, and we recall the last game uh, was crazy. We had a huge, huge lead at the beginning, and then kind of blew it as time went on. Lance Jones did not play, and that was the sole reason why Gibbons had 30 on us. Um, But obviously Marcus made that uh, buzzer-beating jumper to win. So uh, we've talked about it. If, if If Lance played in that game, that doesn't happen. We'd probably still kill him. Um, so it's interesting, especially if Newton doesn't play in this game tomorrow. This is clearly it's it's a must win no matter what, but definitely that's when you got to pile it on them because uh, Noah Lance has been in a groove defensively, and we we would love that matchup. Uh, they're about even, obviously, in speed and all this stuff, and Givens has, finds a way to score a whole lot 
Um, so it it would be tough for Lance. Be one of his toughest challenges of the season. But um, yeah, Givens has averages fourteen and four assists and two steals. He's right behind Lance in steals per game, probably second in the conference, I would imagine. So um, like I said, about even players and. It'll, it'll be tough, and you're right. Boucher coming off a huge game. These guys can shoot, and that's the one thing we've learned about Evansville even from last year, that they can shoot the lights out and beat you. That's the one thing you got to worry about in this one. We're, we're you know, going to Smith or Boucher. All these guys can shoot. Even Sicily, guys like that coming in making a difference as a freshman, being an impact because he played well against us in the in the first matchup. So what else you got? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a looking at we've won the last six or seven against Evansville. Um, so we're hot against them. Um, in five career games against Evansville, Marcus has scored 102 points. That's averaging 20 a game while shooting 52% and 41% from three. So he likes playing against Evansville, so we hope to see more of that tomorrow night. Um, um, he has he has 21, 21 assists and six turnovers in the last five games. Um, that's big time by him. Then uh, in the last four games, Kyler um, averaging seven in his last four, 14 of 22 from the field. Um, wouldn't mind seeing him insert in that lineup. Um, but it's a, another opportunity, I guess you could say, we've been saying all year, to bounce back. Yeah, and even because um, we remember Noah Marcus or even like Frederick struggled guarding Marcus in the first matchup. If, if Newton doesn't play, he'd be the best matchup for him. Some other guys too. But this is a game that Marcus could break out and have 20 or more. We would hope, because Frederick King did struggle, and a lot of those other guys should struggle as well. And us being at home, we've talked about, and you might sneak peek of what who the dog of the game could be in terms of you know getting on our side to win, to help us in that. Yeah, Marcus needs to break out in this game. You're right, we've won a lot again against them recently, and even we mentioned earlier, kind of, or said it off air, um, 23. We've held 23 of 25 opponents this year under 70, and the only ones were Missouri State when we allowed 81, and Bradley when they hit. 70 on the dot, which is crazy because we feel like we should have a lot more wins with doing something like that. Um, but we also said that we thought, you know, no other team could score as little as us per game, but Evansville is that other team. They average 59.5. We average 62.9. And obviously ours just keeps going down as game by game with these 30s and 40s of scoring, but they allow about 70. They about, allow about 10 more than they score and we only allow about 61 dead even with that, with our scoring ourselves. Field goal percentage, they shoot 40%. awful as a team, but ours is 44. is isn't as good either. Um, and then rebounds, they're not a good rebounding team. They're a smaller team, but – and we've talked about, you know, we've out-rebounded teams like Bradley that we were definitely um, not supposed to out-rebound, and we did. So I expect to rebound in this one, hopefully, and assist. We have them beat about even in blocks and about even in steals. Like we mentioned, Gibbons is all over the place. So – no spread for me, I would assume it would be, what would you say, between 5 and 10, I want to say. Uh, we have a 93% chance to win via the matchup predictor of ESPN. Does CBS have a spread? I am looking right now, and uh, it says no. Do not. So I would take us minus whatever it is, because that seemed like what it has to be at this point. Um, especially, especially if Newton doesn't play. Yeah, and even if he does, and then, you know, he provides a tougher matchup defensively and his scoring, obviously. So I would, I, w- I want to say the over. These teams don't score. I don't know what the over would be. It would be relative Low. to what we both score a game. 120-something. Probably. I'll take the over because both these teams can score. We saw in the last game. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, again, it's a must-win against a bottom-feeding team to get our record still. Like we said, the teams that you must beat in this one as we um, go through the rest of the season. No, I will go with Marcus because – for my dog of the game because he's got to score. If he, I think he could score over 30 um, and get his, even with Lance, with two 30-point games and all those other Salukis in the past uh, recently that have gotten 30 points. So I'll say 25 to 30 points Marcus scores. And like I said, kind of sneak peek your dog of the game. Yeah, it's uh, I'm going on a little different approach here. Um, obviously, we've, we've, had, uh, we've run out of juice late. Uh, not be able to find that extra juice besides the Indiana State home game um, to finish off teams. And um, I'm going to take the approach of it's a 7 p.m. game on a Saturday night. What what else would you rather do? So I'm um, going with the fans. The dog pound's going to be going. Um, hopefully we can get a we, – I think we still lead the Valley. Uh, there was only 2,300 at the UNI game the other night. So hopefully I think we still lead the Valley in attendance, um, at least in tickets sold at least. But um, 
let's pack that place. It's a Saturday night. Um, let's get it going. Uh, we're playing a tired team, and uh, this is one we gotta have. It's it's starting to take. We gotta take that mentality that Ryan told him before the Illinois State game. Do you want this one or do you need it? And uh, we need every win possible the rest of the way. Um, I firmly believe if you win these next two home games um, tomorrow night and Tuesday night, um, you are locked in that sixth spot. You will not fall to that into the into Thursday night. Um, so I solely believe that. So um, it's a big time. It's a big time opportunity. Obviously, they're going to be tired. Three games in five days. One was double overtime. So uh, we got to take advantage of matchups and uh, hopefully uh, we have a better. Start to come out. Some some of our guys start to come out of their shell and uh, start. We know Trent Brown's not scared to shoot, but guys like Steven Cash put up a little bit more, and uh, maybe get JD involved a little bit, and maybe even Kyler, and uh, maybe even we see Anthony Diamonds again. Yeah, I would say this is a game where you want to get some of those other guys to get in a group for the absolute stretch going into the tournament where you need all hands on deck. I think that's the biggest thing, as you as you mentioned a lot, is. They are tired. They're going through a lot, you know, play and travel, kind of like we were, but they're in that stretch when we get them, so we need to take advantage. I Hopefully we can score. I want to say if we can score 77 against Valpo, we can score over 80 against this team. Um, and like I said, I would expect Marcus to score. And he's on a 13 consecutive free throws streak. We know that uh, came to a, uh, a halt with his turnover streak. He had a couple the other night and has had recently. As soon as we read these um, stretches out, they usually break them the next game. So we'd honestly expect that he's 30 points away. Lance is 30 points away from 1,000, and Marcus is uh, – it doesn't say. or they're, they're both about even, like we said. So Lance could also break out, him and Givens match up 30. Imagine getting 30 on the dot, get that 1,000 point. That'd be crazy. We expect big games from everybody, right? Hopefully everybody can learn to shoot the ball in this game, get in the field against a bad defensive team. Um, but they did. They gave Indiana State a uh, tough time both games, so they're kind of riding hot even with being tired. So looking forward to it. Yes, hopefully everybody shows out tomorrow night, Saturday night game. Hopefully we do see that and get going with this wins and losses back-to-back. Hopefully we can continue with that stretch because you're right. If we can lock up six with this one, a big win against the surging Braves, that'd be nice to fill out the rest of the way. So for Nick Malone. No lurch. Until next time. Go dogs.